Well, friends, happy Monday. Great to be with you here in the beautiful Sam and Ash Studios, downtown Las Vegas. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. Uh, All right. We have news coming in just moments ago that Donald Trump's passports apparently were seized in the raid on Mar-a-Lago last week, confiscating his passports, of course, uh, eliminating the president's, former president's ability to travel also. Uh, certainly, I, I just wonder what probative value those passports would have to any investigation. Again, reminding you that the warrant itself says that they're after classified information. So uh, I guess he's keeping those nuke secrets in between the pages of his <laughs> visa stamp endorsement pages. Um, bizarre stuff. Friends, absolutely odd. Also now learning that a judge uh, presiding over the case and over the warrant, federal judge is refusing to grant a special master for paperwork that was seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago that may be or is alleged to be attorney co- uh, covered by attorney-client privilege. I mean, as a lawyer, let me explain what this means. Attorney-client privilege means that if you hire a lawyer, your communications with that lawyer are sacrosanct. They cannot be discovered by, attached, or otherwise probed by law enforcement. And there are a number of Supreme Court cases that over the years have really defined this particular privilege, and it is... Uh, It is an important one. Normally what happens is if a search warrant is served on the premises of a defendant, a target defendant, what the target defendant can and ought to immediately do in court is uh, say, look, a a number of the documents that the police uh, seized from a search warrant execution that they be, that they're covered by attorney-client privilege and they're non-discoverable. The police literally cannot look at them. And so what the court will do and ought to do in these cases is, is install a, 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 point, a court-appointed attorney who goes in and says, hey, the, the, uh, my role is to sift through all the evidence before the police look at it and determine whether, you know, what part of it's covered by attorney-client privilege and what is not. And then essentially the stuff that's covered by attorney-client privilege is held in a, a kind of, we'll call it an evidentiary you know, uh, uh, escrow account of sorts. And it hangs out there until uh, a full and final determination is made by the court. Now, here, that's not being done. Uh, I suspect in part because, of course, these judges that are looking at this case are, well, no big fans of the former president, and are certainly ruling in ways that are least favorable to him. And by that, I mean Donald Trump. Uh, The other part of this is we don't know really what kind of documents there were and if they were covered by attorney-client privilege. Uh, Any communications between a lawyer and client are covered by attorney-client privilege. Anything that deals with strategy to your defense, but not automatically any 
items or, or pieces of independent documentation or evidence are covered by the privilege. So here they may very well look at what was what was you know gotten and say, look, it's not none of this is our direct communications between Trump and any of his lawyers. But I'll tell you this, if there really is communication between Trump and his lawyers, and we find out later that the judge did not appoint a special master to protect that information, this entire search and case could be thrown into jeopardy. So watch this. It's an important bit of information and certainly something we ought to follow. Now, over the weekend, the New York Times put out a piece explaining to us rubes what the presidential power to declassify information is all about. And in the subtitle of the piece, dated August the 14th, the New York Times author writes, while it is legally irrelevant, former President Donald J. Trump claims he had declassified the top secret files the FBI seized at his Florida residence. Um, beg your pardon, sirs, <laughs> for a moment, humor me. How is it legally irrelevant that Trump has claimed that he's declassified top secret files? Because, of course, one of the most important things we learned over the weekend is what I was telling you all of last week which is Trump as president while he was president before he left office in January of 2021 had unilateral power to declassify anything. Meaning all he had to do was say, all right, okay, we've got a document here and it's labeled, you know, maximum security, whatever. I'm going to take this document. You can hear me. I'm not actually rustling any top secret documents just for the record. But imagine this was a top secret document. Imagine for a second I, that I'm Trump and I'm president. I can say, listen, this is declassified and throw it down and it's done. And therefore, none of the documents contained at Mar-a-Lago are actually classified. Therefore, none of the relevant criminal statutes would apply. See how that works? So it takes eight pages of getting into this insipid, stupid article in the New York Times to get into the actual meat of the matter. And right here it says, and this is the same article, right? The same one that says it's legally irrelevant. Can presidents declassify matters directly? Yes, because it is ultimately their constitutional authority. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Now, normally presidents who want something declassified, this is a quote inside the New York Times piece on declassification, presidents who want something declassified direct subordinates overseeing the department or agency with primary responsibility for the information to review the matter with an eye to making more of it public. But on rare occasions, presidents declassify something directly, and it then gives an example of George W. Bush doing just that back in 2004. Then the piece goes on to ask, and I, by the way, I'm not quoting for a, from, a, a, from a memo written by John Eastman. I am quoting from the uh, 
what is this, the hamster poop receptacle called the New York Times. Nonetheless, very hostile publication to the president. So you can read this uh, with great latitude toward the position that I'm making. Do presidents have to obey the usual procedures? Direct quote, there is no Supreme Court precedent definitively answering that question. Even if it is true that Mr. Trump had pronounced the documents declassified while he was in office, he clearly did not follow the regular procedures. The regular procedure. Oh, I see. Trump didn't do things the way the other guys did. We're basically to the essence of the problem here. (laughs) But it doesn't say that what he did if he just declared every one of those documents that they found at Mar-a-Lago declassified at some point before he left the presidency through no official procedure or channel, if he did that, none of it's classified because he has the unilateral power to declassify. And I've been saying this all last week. And now you see how uh, I've blatantly, uh, I, I don't know, obstructive and uh, opaque, deliberately opaque, the mainstream media are with this. Now, it takes me to a, a, a conclusion now that I am, after, after reviewing all of this and looking at everything, I, I have come to the conclusion this has nothing to do with the classified documents. There is absolutely zero chance that they could charge him for this because there would be such an easy defense. And by the way, it's a defense that none of us uh, people that were not president when we, if we were to have ever handled classified information that we'd have, we we wouldn't have the defense saying, well, I just, you know, I unilaterally uh, declassified this. And since it's something they can't prove, whether it happened or not, it's an impo- it's a legal impossibility to charge him with this. So what is this? Friends, this was a fishing expedition, long and the short of it. And I mentioned this last week as being a real possibility. I'm now convinced that this is what it's all about. It is an inquiry into, because remember, they confiscated a whole bunch of his private notes It's in the receipt. I mean, there's a lot of his notes. They are looking for proof that Trump knew that he lost the election and was trying to overturn the results regardless. They are are looking in, in legal speak. They're looking for mens rea for the state of the guilty mind that he knew that the election was lost, that Biden was the rightful president, and yet he tried to subvert democracy and violate federal law. Remember, all of those statutes that the January 6th committee is looking at, they all require him to have knowledge, to believe that he actually lost and yet was fighting against the result. I don't think they're going to find that. I seriously doubt it. Uh, It's going to be a stretch because, again, I strongly believe that Trump I believe the election turned out the way he described. So this, all of this is very important. When I come back, I want to mention, I want to just take you, permit me a little bit of a uh, walk down memory lane. Hillary Rodham Clinton and her server, I just want you to, I, I mentioned it a few times last week. 
I want us all to reminisce just how lovely the FBI was in dealing with her when the allegations came about that she mishandled uh, private and uh, classified information. Sam Berchowski, What's Right Show, back in just a few moments. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Friends, tomorrow, tomorrow is Tuesday. Primaries in a number of states, including Alaska and Wyoming. Liz Cheney facing her primary opponent uh, there. Uh, The betting odds put it at, I think, 97% chance that Cheney is going to lose. Of course, if you read the mainstream media, they have her as a, oh, a brave opponent and stalwart for the rule of law, opponent of Trump's, of course, and stalwart proponent for the rule of law. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. The problem with Cheney is that she has it wrong. And I don't even know if necessarily it's something that she realizes consciously or not, but Cheney's real issue is that she's part of the state that she wants to protect. It has nothing to do with consistent ideology. In fact, it has very little to do with ideology, everything to do with opportunism. Being on the side of the state, being on the side of the federal bureaucracy, being on the side of all the embedded bureaucrats has its perks. You can go to all the fancy restaurants in D.C. and uh, people applaud you and say, oh, yeah, there's Liz Cheney. You know, yeah, she might be a Republican, but boy, she's brave. Inside the beltway, outside of regular households across America, Liz Cheney's a hero. She can read articles about herself in the Washington Post and the New York Times have glowing reviews by the uh, elites of the country. That's good living. Don't get me wrong. Being a, well, being an outsider, being a renegade, being a pirate is hard. I mean, a lot of us knew that this COVID thing was a total joke. How many of you were brave enough to really fight it. Well, a lot of you, but it wasn't easy. Wasn't it just easier to go along with it, to put the mask on, to get the Vax card, to just go through it? Because you know what? If you didn't, you lost a lot of perks. Well, this same thing is true, friends. When you're a Beltway politico, and you are living in D.C. a little bit in your home constituency in Wyoming. For the most part, when you are in Wyoming, guess where you're hanging out? Well, it's it's not at the local burger joint. That is not where Liz Cheney and Dick Cheney and Lynn Cheney hang out. And they are at the exclusive clubs that are filled with New Yorkers. 
and Californians and other insufferable elitist types. <laughs> I say that as Nevada's uh, favorite recovering Californian, by the way. But they are. They're in exclusive clubs. They go hunting with their fancy friends. They don't hang out with us, with the hoi polloi. Eh. Congresswoman Cheney, Elizabeth Cheney, does not hang out at the local joints. And so for her, I mean, this is this is her thing. It's nothing brave about it. She's going to lose this election. Now, by, by the way, I have a prediction. I think she's going to do, I think she's going to lose the nomination, try to run it if she can in the general as an independent and see if she can get enough Democrats and some Republicans to join her. Uh, and it could work, right? I think that's her next logical political step. But I hope tomorrow that Liz Cheney is defeated, and I hope that the voters in Wyoming have the good sense not to elect her as an independent because this kind of uh, – this, this kind of uh, accommodation, really, and weak-mindedness – Posing as, posing as bravery has to be eliminated. Now, speaking of weak-mindedness, all the way back in, ooh, when was this? July 5th, 2016. Then director of the FBI, James Comey, gets up and holds a press conference, which we were all holding our breath for, related to the Clinton email investigation saga. And if you recall, the genesis of this investigation is that they found a bunch of emails that were classified, documents sent via email and such, that were on a home server located you know, in Clinton's house when she was Secretary of State that she had sent to herself instead of using a proper channels coded devices and secure servers that are provided by the government. Now, functionally, I want to make something very clear. Legally speaking, there is no difference between sending an email somewhere that is in unsecure, that is outside of the government system. There's no difference between that and taking a document, a physical piece of paper, a file, an envelope, whatever, tangible you know, document and moving it off site outside of a secure area into, into your private possession. So no difference between that. The obvious and glaring difference between what happened, uh, what, what, what Hillary allegedly did and what they're claiming Trump did is that Trump, unlike Hillary, was actually president of the United States and had the unilateral power to declassify information. And it's on that basis that I find all of this so hilarious. Here's Jim Comey back in July of 2016 talking about how, well, we found some stuff on Hillary's server. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department in 2014, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. 36 of those chains 
contained secret information at the time, and eight contained confidential information at the time. That's the lowest level of classification. Separate from those, about 2,000 additional emails were upclassified to make them confidential. Those emails had not been classified at the time that they were sent or received. And there it is. He literally confirmed they found classified information on her server, didn't charge her, nothing. And now we're made to believe that, well, Trump's going to be in the doghouse and going to jail. Blows my mind. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about classification, where all this falls, and some interesting info. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Greetings, friends. By the way, today just uh, had a lunch uh, here in town on the Strip in Las Vegas. Uh, interesting exchange. I walk into the men's room, and there's a woman there. And she looks at me, and absolutely her face just goes totally white. She goes, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong place. I said, lady, it's 2022. There is no right place. And she laughed and left. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host. Uh, <laughs> grateful to be with you. I think the entire idea or the, like, the, the, the best way to debunk the pretense by which the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, that this was all in search of classified information is to better understand what classified information is all about. Now, I have uh, here with me someone who's been on the show before, in fact, co-hosted it from time to time, Robbie Hagland. Uh, Robbie, welcome to the program. Thanks. Good to be here. Robbie, I'm very happy to have you. Now, you are a former U.S. intelligence person. Uh, you worked with the U.S. Air Force, were in Afghanistan uh, and elsewhere, you have had a uh, an interesting career, some of which you can share and some of which you can't. Uh, I'm going to leave it at that. You have an intricate working knowledge of what classifications for uh, secret and top secret documentations and intelligence is all about. And your take on all of this talk now, this jibber-jabber about classified info and how potentially damaging it is, is what? Oh gosh, that's a complicated one, but I think I think where I'd start is that this didn't start with Trump and it's been basically every president in my lifetime and even before, you know. LBJ uh he hid materials that were embarrassing about Vietnam. Reagan, this is something that we were taught taught about. He uh exposed one of the CIA's most successful spy programs to brag about how we were clever in pegging Libya for a terrorist bombing in Germany. And, you know, Clinton's national security advisor, Sandy Berger, who they call Sandy Burglar, he stuffed documents into his pants and into his socks so that they wouldn't see the light of day and stole them. Uh, Bush declassified 9-11 intelligence briefing that bin Laden planned to attack the U.S. because uh, he wanted to show that it was, it was not actionable intelligence. He had all those accusations. So that for him, that was a, a political release. 
And Obama, likewise, had a political release of information. He released a bunch of our tools and methods that are top secret to Hollywood, of all people, so he could get his movie made about bin Laden, um, the Zero Dark Thirty movie. So I, I think it's, you know, these precious takes of, of this being some aberration that, that Trump is, is so out of line here. I mean, it, it seems very much in line with what his predecessors have done. Okay, so let me understand this classification. What are the what are the tiers of classification? And I, I guess the question I have is I, I've seen some of these higher level tiers of classification that these documents that supposedly the FBI got at Mar-a-Lago that they're these super ultra high classified levels, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these are super important and sensitive uh, documents. Right. No, that's exactly right. And it's a great point. I, uh, I had a boss, in fact. So what they are doing with this top secret information, more often than not, if something has that label top secret SCI for uh, sensitive compartmentalized information, more often than not, they're protecting the means of getting that information, not the information itself. So it's, you know, if you went through thing all things labeled top top secret SCI it would be the most boring read of your life i think people have this imagination that this is all you know great things all nuclear secrets all all clandestine operations but uh i had a boss who and this kind of stuff happens frequently anything that signals intelligence almost almost anything is labeled top secret SCI. So that means any broadcast. And if we're with our equipment picking up a broadcast from CNN, as happened to my boss, and it, it told that, you know, Obama landed in some country, and it was the first news we heard about him landing was from CNN, but he had to label that top secret SCI. And that's not something that retroactively somebody looks at and says, well, this is ridiculous. That just sits there in top secret SCI information that Obama landed in Germany or wherever it was. Right, it could be absolutely uh, inconsequential, but it's it's because of where the information was gleaned from that makes it or gives it that designation. Exactly. So when people make the assumption that these are, you know, really important secrets that are in these Trump documents, um, I, I just, they could be, but you can't make that assumption. Okay. I have another question for you. So you... I mean, you, you, you've obviously, you were part of the infrastructure that gathered some of this sensitive information. So I think you, you understand kind of more than the average one of us what this all consists of. Um, in, in gathering this information and putting it all together, um, I mean, you're looking at this. You're reading the news of this of this raid and 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 the the search warrant that was seized. You've seen the the receipt of what the uh, the FBI agents took. Um, is there any? I mean, when you're looking at this, anything stand out to you as being particularly worrisome? Right. I mean, let's just let's just give the FBI for a minute a benefit of the doubt that they're out there doing the Lord's work and. Uh, and wanting to, you know, keep this country safe. Anything there in that list of items that stood out to you as being a problem, something that should not be outside of a secure facility uh, in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere? 
Uh, I, I think there's potential for that, but not in an unprecedented way. And so, you know, like, and that's kind of why I think it, it's good to have the context of what other high-ranking officials have done and that, you know, they received no pushback for it. So I, I would say also the FBI has known about this and they've known that there was information that concerned them for at least 60 days before the raid. And so if they, if, you know, like the rumors are that there's maybe nuclear secrets in there. If there's nuclear secrets they're worried about and they waited 60 days, I, I mean, I, I think the weight belies any gravity that people are trying to attach to this. And if there are grave secrets there, then, then the FBI is also incredibly incompetent and, and grossly negligent for waiting that long to, to get them back. Uh, well, let me ask this too, because I'm uh, and by the way, I, I heard it was longer than 60 days. I heard it was up to six months that they knew about these documents. They went out there. They asked the Trump people to put an extra lock on the basement storage facility. So so th there was there was knowledge that went back for weeks and weeks at the very least. Um, but I have, a, I have another question for you. So let's say some of these documents were at the highest level of of restriction. Do these FBI agents that are searching have clearance to even see or handle these documents? I mean, why? Uh, I, would, I mean, I would think like, isn't I mean, if they're so sensitive, aren't you going to have the like agents from the CIA there or somebody from the government that's going to scoop these things up? So there are FBI, FBI agents that have uh, top secret SCI clearance, uh, and, and I would assume that's who's doing it. There's actually special units in most of these groups uh, called SSE, which is sensitive site exploitation. And so, for example, if you have a bunch of commandos go do a raid on a terrorist house, there's going to be a lot of top secret information there, and they don't necessarily want the commandos to be the ones gathering that. So as soon as the raid happens, they send in a special group, and I assume that's what happened here with the FBI that it, their their entire job is in collecting uh, sensitive information. And if those people weren't on site, it would certainly, I mean, that would be an, a, a major red flag for you, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, I think that, I mean, that, that would say that that would say to me that they didn't expect to find anything. I, I mean, I don't know. You can never say with the FBI that they're, they're <laughs> very incompetent. But uh, if they went in thinking that there was going to be top secret information and didn't have that sort of team, then that's crazy. I think a lot of this has yet. I mean, we obviously are, are light on a lot of detail. Uh, but I, I, you know, and, and I don't know if you were listening earlier, but I maintain that I, I think this is pretextual to find evidence of of information that would uh, that would that would indicate Trump's belief that he had in fact lost the election because that goes to the sedition charges it goes to the um, to the to the corruption charges it goes to the um, to the interference with the, with the operation of the federal government and, and 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 really the the most serious of felonies uh, not you know not a case for you know how, how did he properly declassify information that certainly he had every right to as president of the United States. So um, so it, it'll be interesting to see all this come out. And I, I appreciate Robbie, you coming on and giving us a, a little a little bit of insight in this. It's um, uh, you have anything else to add on this that is of interest to you as you as you're observing this from afar? 
Yeah, I think that I think that you're right on there, or maybe they were expecting to just, you know, encounter something else. And I, I think that one of the strategies, unfortunately, that law enforcement have is they, they now target people instead of crimes. And what you what you do is you make a bunch of laws, you know, and it's estimated that the average professional commits three felonies a day, and then you just very selectively prosecute those laws. And so somebody like me if I mishandled classified information, that's going to be a lot handled a lot differently than if if Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or George W. Bush mishandles it. No, I, I, I understand that. I talk about selective prosecution here on the program all the time. Uh, you know, if, if they decide to put a target on you, they will they will find a way eventually to get you. And and I, I maintain now certainly that if, if anything, it's a it's a miracle they 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 haven't been able to get anything to stick to Trump directly, and it and it it's certainly not for a lack of trying. So, uh, well, there it is, Robbie Haglin. Thank you for being with us. Grateful uh, that you had a few minutes for us. Interesting perspective on the classification procedures, friends. Uh, the What's Right Show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. A blast from the past, Jim Comey, back in July of 2016, explaining why Hillary Clinton would not be charged after the FBI found thousands of classified emails on her personal server. Here is Director Comey. There is evidence, although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Ha! Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations, into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. What in the load of whatever is that? By the way, especially regarding intent, one of the statutes doesn't even require intent. You don't have to intend to do anything. Did you remove the document from, from place A that was secure to place B that wasn't? Yes done misdemeanor charges the difference here is that clinton was an insider a political inside the beltway gal who had the benefit and protection of the state bureaucracy so we'll see how all of this uh, pans out by the way i don't know if you remember this about a year later trump was president he sent a tweet, I forget what it was, but he he basically said something about the IC, the in, in, uh, intelligence community that was critical. And right as he's going on air with Rachel Maddow, on the Rachel Maddow show, this is January of 17. Ah, this was right before Trump t- took office. This is right before he's sworn in. So he tr- tweets something that says, you know, it's basically the, the the, the CIA, they're all a bunch of idiots. Uh, Schumer, Chuck Schumer, gets asked about this. Here's the exchange. Pay close attention. But he's, he's taking these 
shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. Can you imagine the leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate thinks that the problem isn't that we have an intelligence community that can get back at a president-elect for saying something mean. He thinks the problem is with the president-elect that is saying something mean about the intelligence community. Just wrap your heads around that for a minute. Again, I am convinced if you are a part of this government, if you toe the line, if you play nice with everybody, engage in good politics, go along and get along, you're going to be fine. If you are a Trump who does not play by the rules, who decides to go and uh, criticize anybody who he disagrees with, even if they have an inordinate amount of power, then prepare for the consequences. Oh, by the way, he was not Schumer was not prepped to give a response to this because this had news of this had just come out uh, right before they went on air. So what you're getting from him here in this clip back in January of 17 is very honest, kind of an unfiltered, unvarnished reaction. Maddow's asking him. Let me tell you, says Schumer, you take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you, close quote. This is terrifying. So, you know, I, I, I look at this, and by the way, a lot, of the, a lot of the serial hoaxes that were perpetuated against Trump while he was on, in office had the blessings of the intelligence community. The Russian collusion hoax. How many intelligence officers touched that entire deal? What about the Steele dossier? Remember that? The golden showers, the hookers in Moscow. It's total drivel. Even Hunter's laptop story then, when Trump was fighting for re-election against Joe Biden. Remember that? You had all the intelligence officers line up and tell us, oh, it's Russian disinformation which we now know to be absolutely not the case. No, it really is the crackhead son of the now president, then candidate Joseph Biden, who dropped off his laptop, forgot about it, you know, created a bailment, which is a technical legal term for what happens when you drop off personal property and they don't pay for it. And, you know, the guy goes in there, finds a bunch of stuff that now has all been confirmed to be true. So, you know, this is not just about Trump, my friends. A lot of you Republicans now are saying, well, you know what, but Trump is a buffoon. And Trump is this. And Trump, we don't want Trump near the Oval Office. Okay, fine. So who do you want? Well, we want a change agent like Trump, but somebody who just isn't as Trump-like. Okay, 
You don't think that the same intelligence community that read Trump the Riot Act, just as Schumer describes it, hey, fall in line or else, won't do the same thing with a guy like DeSantis or Pompeo or whomever, fill in the blank. And Pompeo was CIA director. He, of all people, understands how powerful they are. My point is, this is not a real democracy that we have in this country. There are two tiers of power that exist. We regular people that go about our day paying taxes, following the rules and laws and trying to get by, raise our kids, keep them you know, away from the crazy educators out of the schools, do their best navigating education system, whatnot. Stay safe on our streets. We regular people, we don't have the same power and the same say in this country as the bureaucrats that run it, some of which have an inordinate amount of power. No, the reason this Trump raid in Mar-a-Lago is such an important story is it is a highlight, an example, a critical study of how precious few rights we really have if the system turns against us, if we go against the system and the system decides that we must become a lesson for everyone else to fall in line. Scary stuff. I'll be back tomorrow.